Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, March 2nd. If you didn't think the cost of living was high enough already, prepare yourself for a couple of tax increases coming our way next month. We get details on what you'll be shelling out more dollars for from Franco Terrazano, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. What exactly does a PR company do and how could teaming up with a PR professional benefit your business? We get the answers from Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. When was the last time you got invested in a good book? World Book Day is celebrated annually during the first week of March. We talk about our love of reading and get some great recommendations for a new read from Ryan Smith, co-owner of Calgary-based Owl's Nest Books. More and more Canadians are expressing a real difficulty uh, keeping up with the cost of living. And the federal government plans to throw salt on our financial wounds very shortly. Joining us to discuss the upcoming increase to the federal carbon tax is Franco Terrazano, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Good morning to you, Franco. Welcome back. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. For being here. So when and how much are we going to see this federal carbon tax on the rise? Well, listen to this, folks. In one month's time, on April 1, not a joke, uh, we are going to see our members of parliament, our politicians in Ottawa, take more money out of our wallets then stuff more money into their own wallets because in one month's time, you're going to see the carbon tax go up to 14 cents per liter of gas. But not only that, you're also going to see member of parliament pay go up on the very same day. And guess what, folks? Alcohol taxes federally also going up. Ouch. That is quite the combo. Now, we should just make it clear that's a three cent increase in the carbon tax from what it is now, correct? That's correct. So it's going from 11 cents per liter of gasoline to 14 cents per liter of gasoline. Of course, it's also going to impact our heating bills. Uh, we, we live in a very cold country. You guys live in a very cold province, and it's going to end up costing you about 12 cents per, per cubic meter of natural gas. Now, one thing we do have to address here, because I hear it all the time in Ottawa, you have politicians and bureaucrats saying, well, hold on, Franco, there's a rebate going back, but here's the thing. If someone thinks that you can raise taxes, skim them off the top to pay for an army of bureaucrats, then somehow make everyone better off, then I've got some Ocean View property in Lethbridge to sell you. <laughs> uh, to, to that point, yeah, it, it's, it's not about the rebates. It's about the big picture. And anybody who's traveled to the U.S., for example, when we you know, switch from fuel to maybe a different type of fuel, alcohol, uh, the alcohol tax, you're in the States and you're saying, why am I paying I don't know, like $9 for a case of beer that costs 23 here, and then you look into it and you know it's a tax. How much is that going to be going up? Well, it's going up by 6.3% April 1. 6.3%. Like, that's a pretty big increase right here. But to your point, it's a big tax increase on top of an already big tax bill when you add in the provincial taxes, the federal taxes that, already, or that are already paying. You're paying about half the price of a case of beer just in taxes already, okay? You, you have a hard day at work. Maybe the kids are driving you nuts. You want to pick up a bottle of Pinot Noir to enjoy with your better half. You're already paying about 65% of the price uh, of wine in tax, right? You want to add a little bit of rum into your Coke at the end of a hard day's work? Well, you're paying already about three-quarters of the price in tax, and all of that price is going up because Mr. Trudeau in Ottawa is raising his federal taxes by 6.3% come April 1. So just to clarify here, Franco, I was trying to follow the numbers there. Uh, it looks like between 50 and 75%, depending on the alcohol that we're paying in taxes? 
That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And can I just bring up another issue with the tax increase on alcohol? Now, I'm a firm believer that Canadians are already paying too much tax. Like You guys know you have me on. I think Canadians are paying too much tax. But if you're a member of Parliament and you think that Canadians are not paying too much tax and you want to raise taxes, then you should at least have the spine to vote on the tax increase. But these alcohol taxes, since 2017, go up every single year without a single vote in Parliament. And to me, that is fundamentally undemocratic. So obviously, Franco, there have been calls for the federal government, for the liberal government to stop particularly this increase to the carbon tax. Are we hearing anything at all from the prime minister or the feds as a whole? On the carbon tax? On any of it. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I, I am hearing some rumblings on the alcohol tax side of things, particularly because like restaurants have just been so hurt over the last couple of years, right? Because this isn't happening in a vacuum. This is happening after two-plus years of so much pain during the pandemic with the restrictions, the lockdowns, right? And so these businesses who are also going to be impacted by the alcohol tax increase, it's not like they have buckets of cash lying around, right? Your favorite restaurant down the street has been severely impacted, and now this tax increase is going to make things harder. Now, on the carbon tax side of things, just between me and you, I think that every time Mr. Trudeau goes by a gas station and sees a high price of gasoline, I think he's patting himself on the back. Because to be completely frank about this, the carbon tax, the whole goal of the liberal carbon tax in Ottawa is to raise the price of gasoline. Let's talk about this. Let's be completely franco about what (laughs) we can do. This is your job, Franco, and I understand it. I understand what you, you do for a living, and I appreciate it. You're, you're a watchdog of sorts. You're passionate about it, obviously. But uh, an average schmo like myself who wants to buy a case of beer and thinks, well, you know what, I, you know, I've I got to look for the best deals because I'm paying half in tax for a case of beer, for example. I can't do anything about it. I can maybe work some overtime. Maybe I can return empties and get a paper route. Who knows, right? But the whole point is, <laughs> is there something tangible that we can do? Because it feels kind of hopeless. Yeah, well, that's a really good question. You know, that's a really good question. And, and we do want people to take action. I mean, first of all, let's, let's commend uh, the Alberta government for, for scrapping its gas tax at a time when gas prices were going through the roof. I think they showed leadership there. Um, but just for us average citizens, we, we have to take action. Uh, if you don't take action in democracy, nothing is going to happen. Um, if you were ever thinking about writing an email to your member of parliament or giving a phone call to your member of parliament or stopping by the constituency office, I really do think now is, is, is the right time. And, and let them know that like this is crazy that the government is raising the carbon tax. It's crazy that the government is raising alcohol taxes. But there's one other thing, because I do know there's a lot of um, conservative uh, members of parliament in Alberta. Please go to the office and tell them that they should not be raising their own pay this year. And, 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 you know, I bet they'll come back with you and say, look, we're giving that money to charity, and it's great to give to charity. But they can give to charity without taking more money from taxpayers to increase their own uh, pay. So that would be a, a call to action of sorts. Frankly, that's the one that burns my butt, is a pay increase, when we're all going to pay more increasing the taxes on everything else. So, yeah, thank you so much for breaking it down, Franco. Appreciate your time, as always. Thanks for having me on this morning. Franco Terrazano, CTF Federal Director and, uh, of course, Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Yeah, there it is, Sue. We're lucky. And I'm not sure what's going on in your work, but you're lucky these days to get a cost of living increase. And what's that? 
Uh, yeah, 1. what point, is that? 1.5 to maybe 2.6%, yet people can give themselves raises? Hey, maybe you and I should just you know, just call HR and say we've decided to give ourselves raises. I think that's a how great does, idea. How does this work? I don't And, I, and the other part is, honestly, like it, it drives me to drink. Well, not really, because I can't afford it anymore. The point is, what are we doing here? I I don't know, and it just doesn't make that. Those two things don't make sense, to give yourself a raise and then to tax Canadians higher during tough times. That's the thing, right? And I mean, listen, products are... And you have to think also, the associations, whether it's beer or spirits or whatever, the craft beer market's blowing up, but now they're being hampered because the government needs a bigger cut. What are we doing, and and how can we make a difference? Because it gets frustrating. You can just... uh, Excuse the term, bitch and moan about it. Yeah, well, and or we you will. can do something about it. But what? But what can we do? It doesn't matter. It feels though. like it's uh, you know uh, this mountain to climb. Yeah, it's a moot point. No matter how much we bitch, moan, complain, because it's happening. That's just the way it is, and we don't get a say in it. Dave says carbon tax, booze tax, the liberals and their spending and taxing is simply out of control. Yeah. Um. You know, but I just want to say because I, I was reading an article and they broke it down that. You know, for this alcohol increase specifically, it works out to approximately three quarters of a penny per can of beer. So, I mean, it is an increase, but it's not, I think sometimes we get really worked up about the size of it. But is it the size of it or is it the fact that we're just getting dinged again? You know what? It's, it's, you know, a a small pebble weighs nothing. You've got a million of those adding a few Mm -hmm, more every year. mm -hmm. And that's what it gets down to. When again, you're paying like... In the case of what Franco said, these are his numbers, 50% of the, the uh, case of beer is goes straight to tax. That's up awesome. to 75% when you move into the spirits and wine. It's, it's insane. For, but, I mean, as these businesses, wouldn't you be upset that your product is at a disadvantage because the government's targeting you nonstop? I would say. Once a month, we offer up tips and tricks from a PR expert. But just how important is PR to your business? Joining us this morning is Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. Good morning to you, Ellen. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much for having me. Let's begin with a bit of a breakdown on exactly what PR or public relations actually is, especially in 2023. Okay, awesome. So PR, public relations, refers to the strategic communication between an individual or organization and their public. So that's their customers, their clients, their neighbors, their community, anyone who could purchase product from them and generate revenue. PR utilizes a variety of tactics to communicate the brand's identity and cultivate its image. So this is everything from writing press releases, media training, media monitoring, for structured pitching, events, social media, partnership development, photography, content creation, and sponsorship acquisition if you're a charity. So it's constantly evolving, most recently to include AI, artificial intelligence, and it's reaching out to your network far and wide to nurture relationships, bring more friends into your circle who will buy your product. And PR professionals don't only influence the story. After it happens, they often come up with the ideas in the first place, which is why it's so effective. All right, Alan, you've defined it. Now let's talk about uh, the effectiveness of PR. Can it be measured? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So it's effective um, when you have strategies that reach audiences in the right way. And increasing search engine optimization is a huge opportunity. Positioning your organization as a thought leader in the industry is ultimately the goal to give your brand credibility. So, for example, if you're just opening a new business right now in 2023, it's extremely important to build the awareness about your product and service to be in all of the right spaces. So you could host a launch event paired with a social media campaign to reach your audience digitally. 
You could build relationships with an event partner, restaurant, food and beverage partner to build your partnership tactics, which is really effective. Bring on a charity, invite community leaders and media to attend to become champions and ambassadors of your brand. This takes time to get the attention that you need to properly you know, communicate your brand and become popular, which we all want to do because we know that sales are the only way to survive and PR can be very effective to achieve these goals. That word brand, I mean, that's such a new concept too, isn't it? How do you measure yeah. the success? Yeah, so of course, as we know with any goals, we do need to have things in place. And there are many different softwares that our company utilizes to analyze our efforts on social media, with search engine optimization on the website and through media pickup. So we have monthly reports that summarize the data. Meltwater, for example, is a media relations data software that people can purchase and you can look into that. But it's all about monitoring social media, the traditional media, if you're on podcasts and blogs, to really get a feel for what the public is thinking about with respect to your brand. So you can modify your messaging to be more effective. Um, we try to actually ensure everything can be measured with a number over here at Parker PR. So ensuring that we have the right number of people at events, everything should be quantified in my opinion. And that's one way that we feel our clients are really satisfied. So having your client featured in the news, yourself being featured in the news, these are big wins. Creating an effective and relevant social media campaign that touches on each of your key messages each day of the week is really effective. Um, and ensuring you have original photography, original video, video is really popular, and good, creative, compelling writing. These are all things you can do. And having media monitoring right now in 2023, especially with Google and Meta pushback against the media sharing and the costs that we're seeing is really effective. So I'll say meltwater one more time just as a word <laughs> to look into. <laughs> Ultimately, the client wants to see results. We want to see results for our effort. Otherwise, what's the point, right? So ensuring that we have as many things in place as possible. And one great thing is if you do see media pickup, take it, copy it, add it to your website, link it to the media outlet that covered you because this does incredible things for search engine optimization. And it's called PRing the PR like we've talked about before. We have about a minute left, uh, Ellen, but I want to ask you this, which is yeah. maybe I've just started a business or I've had my business up and running for years and I've kind of dabbled and done my own PR. At what point do I know that I have to go to a, an HR professional like yourselves, for example? What What is the sign that I need to go outside of my company for some help? You know, I think it's, I think ex exploring working with a professional PR, you should see results very, very quickly. So if you've been, you know, working for a year and trying to get off the feet with a launch, I would say businesses have about six months to a year to make their best effort to kind of launch. And if you haven't really found um, your sales where they're at, or you haven't seen the number of people coming into your shop, I would, I would invest in trying to kickstart that because once you wait over a year and you try to continue to launch your business, that's where we really see the decline in companies, unfortunately. So, yeah, I would, six months, I personally, I wouldn't go longer than that. But um, the point is, is when you're working with a peer professional, you should see results right away. It's not like a drip, drip, drip for a year and then you see something. You should be getting the data and seeing these metrics very quickly. Um, 
which will, you know, ensure that this was a good investment. And if you don't, then you can explore something different. Thank you, Ellen. Super knowledgeable stuff. Thanks for sharing your info with us. Have a great day, guys. Thanks so much. You too. Bye for now. Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. Maybe you want more information. ParkerPR.ca. If you don't know, today is World Book Day, and whether you're a casual reader or always have a handful of books on the go, it's a day to celebrate the written word. To discuss our love of books, we're joined live in studio by Ryan Smith, co-owner of Owl's Nest Books, just happens to be Calgary's oldest independent bookstore. Good morning to you, Ryan. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I want to get into uh, the books and why we love books so much, but let's talk Owl's Nest for a second because I was kind of shocked. You've been around for a minute or two. Give us just a little bit of history of the brand. Uh, yeah. Um, 50 years ago, uh, Mrs. DeMille started the store. Uh, it was originally located on Bow Trail, uh, just north of 37th. Uh, it was there for 25 years before it moved to its current location in the Britannia Shopping Plaza. Um, it's gone through a couple other owners since then, um, working under Mrs. DeMille. Um, Susan and Michael Hare uh, were the previous owners. Susan Hare is still there, um, but uh, they've brought me on in the last year. Um, and yeah, we are, we're just so happy to still be in the community and have had community support for so long. I think part of that, Ryan, is that you, you I mean, you bring in authors all the time, right? When, when we hear that someone is coming to town, they're always going to Owl's Nest Books. So I think the fact that you've, you know, you made yourself part of the community is what's allowed you to have the longevity, right? Of, and reminding us that, you know, books are still beautiful. We can go in and we can smell them. I was saying to Andy earlier, I love the smell of a new book. So, I mean, it's just you, you, when you ingratiate yourself into the community, people will support you, right? Oh, completely, yes. Um, so we have incredibly long-term clients. Uh, who we've we've been so excited to be able to support their reading habits for for so many years and to have their support of the store uh, through through thick and thin. thin, thin. Tech, uh, it's reached all corners of, of our world, including the advent of e-readers, tablets we can read our books on. And in fact, you can hold hundreds of books on one little tablet. You don't have to carry that backpack with you. But people still very much like the tangible copies of the books. Besides the smell... Sue's sniffing everything. Besides the smell, why do you think it is that people still like to hold an actual book in their hands? Oh, a, a plethora of reasons. Um, e-readers are getting better, but uh, the, the, the physical experience of having that book uh, is, is just so unique. Um, the, 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 like you said, the sight, the smell, the feel, um, having that physical presence there. Uh, and it, it's on your own time. I mean, all you really need is the book itself and a light source. How many of us grew up reading by by the street light oh, after yeah. we were told to turn out the lights? <laughs> or a flashlight under your covers, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And, you know, you don't need a subscription, a power source, a battery. It goes where you are. Um, and it, and it's on your schedule, too. You can, you can read ahead, read back um, at your pace, at your time. Uh, the book is there for you. You're, you don't have to be on, on someone else's schedule to experience it. I'm curious, is your clientele mostly like, a, I get uh, age is what I'm kind of getting at. Do you have young people? Cause I wonder if young people are more into the, the e-readers and, and that sort of thing, or, or are our young people still gravitating towards a physical book? Though plenty of young people, um, uh, older people as well, uh, like you said, um, uh, and it helps, uh, if you're a little older, you might be retired and you have the time. Uh, um, but but plenty of young people who are very excited to to be reading, to get back into reading, um, to be supporting local. Um, yeah, we, we and it's just a chance to to talk to someone uh, with, with with a different uh, reading habit or a different perspective mm-hmm. than that long term client who we've gotten to know very well and can very quickly and easily have a recommendation for. 
Speaking of that, you've got some recommendations. We're going to get there mm-hmm. in a second, Ryan. But uh, let's talk about your path. And obviously, this is your world now. And uh, not for a million years, but recently, this is what you're doing, right? And so you obviously became a you're a book lover first, I would think, to get into this. What was it that hooked you on books? Do you have a, do you have a favorite memory or that book that you said, okay, this is, I love books? What would uh, it be? That would be my, my grandmother, actually. And so I was maybe five or six years old, and she put together a, um, a dinosaur-themed kit for when I was visiting. It had all sorts of dinosaur stuff and included that first Magic Treehouse book, uh, Dinosaurs at Dusk. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> or uphill, <laughs> uphill, I guess, yeah. technically speaking. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And is it, what is it about the physical book? Is it just, is it that, like the memory of it? Or do you, are you just kind of that person too? You like the, the feel and the smell and the, the tangible idea of having it in your hands. Oh, the tangible idea, um, uh, the, the, the display um, abilities you have with books in our bookstore, wonderful staff that make the store look great. Uh, my wife has our bookshelves at home organized by color. Uh, <laughs> I if love that's going to get me in trouble, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the, 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 the image of the book and the bookshelves and the fullness and being able to look at it and see all those stories, all those places you can go, all those things you can learn just laid out in front of you. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Now this is a bit of a mountain to climb because when you say recommendations, we've got hundreds of thousands of listeners, Ryan, uh, well, maybe maybe not hundreds of thousands, but we've got a lot of people listening. Millions. So we're not going to be, you know, uh, you know, honing in on everybody's exact taste. But I, I tasked you with, hey, can you give us, because everybody, just like we, we do these days, say, what are you watching on Netflix? What are you reading? And I asked you some fiction and some nonfiction recommendations. Uh, if you can just give us a brief description of, of, of one or two fiction and then move to nonfiction or vice versa and why we should read it. Definitely. Uh, I'll start with our bestseller, and I'm really glad this is radio so that the listeners can't see the cover because the cover is not the greatest. Uh, but the book is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garma, uh, Garmus. And uh, this is the story of a woman in the 1950s working in chemistry, uh, and she loses her job and starts a cooking show. And she's using her cooking knowledge to, to teach cooking, uh, but she's also empowering her viewers to step out and uh, make a change in their own lives, make a change in the world, sort of disrupt the system. Um, We have had incredible uh, feedback from customers on this because we show them the cover and a lot of people go, ooh, and then uh, they come back and say, thank you so much for for getting me past the cover because that was a phenomenal read. So that's been our bestseller, Lessons in Chemistry by Barney Garmus. Awesome premise. Sorry? Awesome premise. Oh, thank you. I want to tell you about a mystery series. We have a big mystery following in the store. Um, this is the Lane Winslow Mystery Series by Canadian author Iona Wishaw. Um, the first book in the series is A Killer in King's Cove. The series follows um, Lane Winslow, a retired British intelligence officer just after World War II. She's retired to a small hamlet outside of Nelson, B.C., uh, only for a dead body to show up on her property, and she has to prove that uh, she didn't do it. Uh, and I want to tell you about that one so that you have a chance to get started with this series, get caught up, because uh, coming April 25th is the 10th book in the series oh, wow. to track a trader. So we're really excited about that. Uh, for some nonfiction, um, uh, our local local celebrity, George Canyon, has a biography out called My Country. Uh, oh. And he uh, takes you through growing up in Nova Scotia, getting into the music industry, those early years. Uh, moving out here uh, and making a life out here. So, yeah, really cool insight into his life. Um, and then I want to take a second for a uh, a local one. There's some really great history books out there for a chance to learn. 
Uh, and they're doing a fantastic job of making it more of a narrative and, and really grabbing you and dragging you in. Um, but this one here uh, is put together by a local group. The Edworthy Park Heritage Society has put together Shaganappy Point and Edworthy Park, A New History. Ooh. This is predominantly a volunteer organization. And uh, for those that don't know, Edworthy Park is just sort of at the corner of uh, Bow and Sarsi. And they walk you through, you know, the, the indigenous peoples that, that first lived there, the quarries that existed there and the buildings that they've created, uh, all the way up to the ski hill that used to exist where the Shaganappy Point I Golf Course is today. Um, fantastic images, historical photos. It does feel a little bit more like a textbook, but um, it's been very popular with our, our readers for our local history. I love that. And we just got a text from Jasmine who said, I love the book Lessons in Chemistry. Yeah. And in fact, she says she thinks the cover's really cool. Awesome. I think probably the way you, the reason you don't like it is because it doesn't really show what the book is about, right? But yeah. obviously people love that book. So Lessons in Chemistry is one that you can go and check out at Owl's Nest. Thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing your picks, but also sharing your love of books on this World Book Day. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks. Ryan Smith, co-owner of Owl's Nest Books. You can go online, owlsnestbooks.com.